Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here just 24 hours or even less, actually, until the Bucks regular season tips off against the Boston Celtics. We are going to talk about that on today's show uh, also with some stuff from John Horst, who we caught up this morning, and also uh, the start of the NBA season opening night. We'll be able to discuss some of the things we've seen there. So we've got a pretty busy show today, and I'm going to bring in my co-host in just a second. But first of all, I do have to say this episode is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring, launching exclusively on January 18 at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18 and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. Now, uh, I said I'm going to bring my co-host in here now and it's been far too long since this woman was on the show, Camille Davis from the Technical Foul Podcast. I know you've been watching some basketball. You've got an (laughs) unbelievable Zoom background on right now and when I finally (laughs) do get this YouTube channel going because Yana said I look like a YouTuber, uh, people would be able to see uh, this Christmas background you've got, but how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Very happy uh, to be on the show. Looking forward to all the Christmas decorations in the background and <laughs> just looking forward to the holiday, some time off work and some basketball. Well, I said, uh, I tweeted this out actually earlier. I'd be interested to know how you feel about this, but I, I understand why the NBA probably after all the things that went on this year, and I know the ratings is a big part of this, even though I will say that there was plenty of distractions this year that might've contributed to the ratings. And it certainly wasn't just basketball, but when they've spoken about potentially pushing the NBA season back a little bit, I've kind of been in favor of that. And part of the reason for that was that I just think basketball in general, there's a bit more of excitement around it when it is around Christmas time. And the fact that we have opening night tonight, the Bucks will play the Celtics today as people are listening to this show. And then you have one day and then they get their Christmas Day game. Even though it's a little bit different this year, I think it's really cool. I think it's a fun and exciting time to, to be starting the season. I couldn't agree more. The only thing about this season that, that's disappointing to me is the fact that when the Bucks get their first home Christmas <laughs> Day game, we can't uh, be in the building, which is... It's like a sweet irony of some sort or something like that, because I know Milwaukee would have been completely and utterly like ridiculous. That crowd would have been hot uh, for a Christmas Day game. I was thinking about this, actually, watching the Lakers get their rings today. And first of all, I think it was really cool that they did the family stuff and and they had them on the Mm -hmm. video board and, and the messages from the families. That would be something that I I think they should do every year anyway, regardless of whether there are fans there or maybe the the family could be in the mic. I'm not sure. I thought it was really cool. But we did speak a lot about uh, last season when we were kind of fantasizing about the fact, what happens if the Bucs win this championship? And Frank and myself were talking about the fact it would be kind of ironic that if they did that in the bubble, 
after all the Bucks fans have been through, not being able to celebrate that would be kind of a, a bummer. Even though, I know, you absolutely would have taken it. It would have been a bit of a bummer. So watching the Lakers tonight, I was kind of like, you know, maybe we can wait. Now that Giannis is signed, we can wait 12 more months. Maybe we'll get some crowds in Fiserv by the finals and next year we can have a ring ceremony with 20,000 in Fiserv Forum. And I feel like this city deserves it. Like, I agree with you completely. I hope that by the time the playoffs are rolling around that we're able to have fans in the building, that we're able to, to celebrate and cheer this team on because the city – the city loves the Bucks and they love winners and the Bucks are both, you know, things right now, the basketball team in town and they're, they're good. They're winning. Giannis is here to stay. We know that for sure. Now there's, there's no more of that hanging over us of, Oh my God, if we lose this game, how does that affect Giannis's move? All of that Bucks, Twitter conspiracy links. We can, <laughs> we can kind of calm down on that. I know Bucks Twitter is hot on the, the fire bud train, which I, it's a little premature for me, but Yes, I think that fans in the building, I'm hoping we get that in the playoffs because I really, I really want that parade. I really want to be able to say I went to the finals in Milwaukee. Like, just, it'd be so big for the city. Even just being out in the Deer District would be amazing during that time. It was kind of funny because I think Zora said on one of the games uh, on the broadcast that they were pumping in the sound from... Um, one of the bars like Becca the bar the or something like that. And in my head, I was trying to think about why is there so many people in the Mecca right now that they can pump crowd into Fiserv <laughs> Forum? I was like, what is going on right now? Um, but I, I'm going to ask everyone that is, is a regular on this show, or basically anyone that comes on this show for the whole season that I speak to for the first time, I'll probably ask them this question. But Giannis has signed and it's never going to get old talking about this. So where were you at in terms of your anxiety levels? Did you not sleep for weeks? Oh, what was your reaction to the signing? Um, because like I said, talking about this is not going to get old. I was pre- pretty even killed throughout most of this, this whole <laughs> will you or won't he sign scenario. And I think in part because I was thinking about it logically. I thought that the Bucks did everything that they could do, even though the Bogdan trade was messy. To me, it didn't seem like it's necessarily the Bucks' fault that it became as messy as it did. I'm still not exactly quite sure who you put the blame on. I'm not going to give my conspiracy theory on who I think it is, but um, I was kind of like, okay, maybe he won't sign before the deadline this year. It could make sense for him to want to wait it out a little bit to, to see what the team is like, to see if he likes playing with Drew Holiday. I could see that. Maybe he just wants to see a little bit more before he signs, but I never really thought that he was leaving. I kind of had a feeling like maybe he's waiting to see something particular. Maybe he's want to test the waters here, but I felt pretty confident that he would sign, but I also told myself that it wouldn't happen this season. So when I got the news, it was more of a shock that he did it when he did it. I thought that if he was, it wasn't going to be until next off season. The more I've thought about this and just the, the interactions that we were able to have with him and, and everything that, that, you know, the listeners would have picked up on and from the press conferences and that sort of stuff. I do think that there is something to the fact that perhaps he got back with the team and he did kind of think, maybe I can ride this out. Maybe I can slide through a little bit and maybe it'll be okay if I make a decision next season, if he wasn't a hundred percent convinced, which clearly he wasn't, he had some stuff to work through, but I do think that there was a real uh, pressure probably that he felt not just from the fans and everyone else, but the media and also his teammates as well. And I think he probably didn't quite grasp how big this was going to be until he got back into training camp. And then he thought, 
you know, I, I can say I just want to focus on basketball, but he admitted himself this was going to be a really difficult season without him. And again, um, just covering the team and watching this team and hoping they play really well, it is just a big relief that that, is, that cloud is removed from over this team because I think it was going to be significant. Yeah, and answering from watching The Last Dance was seeing Michael Jordan every role game that he had being asked the exact same question. I would imagine that would be the same thing with Giannis had he not signed, that reporters were going to be asking, hey, where are we at after this one? If it's a bad loss, the questions might get framed around, well, how does this affect what you're thinking? And based on that first press conference that he had with the team, it really didn't seem like he wanted to talk about it, although it kept coming up. So I can definitely imagine him being irritated had he not signed it and having to go through the season with those questions continuously being asked in however many different ways it could be phrased, even though his response would probably stay, I want to focus on basketball. Like for some reason, the the same answer doesn't stop the same questions from being asked in those situations. So maybe that's something that he did consider. I never thought about that before. So I want to go into, we heard from uh, Bucks GM John Horst this morning. So I've just got a few talking points noted down from that, that I think we're going to bounce uh, back and forward with. And uh, I mentioned, obviously, his opening night tonight and the Bucks' uh, opponent on Christmas Day, Golden State played and really uh, were blown out. I mean, they were destroyed yeah. by Brooklyn, which on one hand, you know, the fact that Kevin Durant continues to look fantastic and Kyrie Irving again, uh, also clearly there's big question marks on the health of those guys, but I don't think anyone is under uh, the illusion that they're not going to be a fantastic team if those two are healthy. But for the Warriors, with no Draymond Green, who remains under a cloud for Christmas Day, uh, they probably look as shaky as what we thought they were going to, even though Steph is fantastic. They're just a little bit thin outside of that. So it was interesting to see that with that Christmas Day game uh, just a couple of days away. But I want to get to John Hawes. Before I do, I want to remind our listeners about our friends over at Bet Online AG. And if you missed the over and under podcast yesterday, go back and listen to that because we gave some win totals for the Bucks that you can find on betonline.ag. The Bucks win total at 50.5, the over and under there, the line four wins on the season. But there is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust when it comes to betting. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on. 50% uh, for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. The holidays are about giving, so I'm giving you a hot tip that could earn you some extra cash. The new Locked On Bets podcast is hosted by Lee Sterling of ParamountSports.com. Lee is on a red-hot start to the season, and he shares a lock of the day on every episode. Subscribe to Locked On Bets today wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Camille, I, I mentioned that we spoke to John Horst this morning, and there was a few things that were interesting. Uh, he was obviously asked about the fact that the Bucks were stripped of that 2022 second-round pick, which I, I hope that from the Bucks playing really good basketball, from the Bucks winning, and from Bogdanovich stinking out in the court that this is something that we can put <laughs> in our rear vision mirror and never speak about again. But the fascinating part about the guys that did stay with Dante DiVincenzo and DJ Wilson was the fact that these guys for a 24-hour period thought that they were leaving Milwaukee. And John Horst was asked about how do you speak to those guys or how do you explain the situation or what do you say to them when they return to the franchise and they know that they were put up for trade? 
And his explanation for this was, and I'm paraphrasing his, but his explanation for that was, well, all our players know that we're pretty open with them and we say, listen, we want to win, but this is a business. There is a time where you could potentially be up for trade. Things can change. This is the situation. But while you're here, we're fully invested in you. We want you to win. That was essentially what he said. So he said that those guys had no problems. They came back to work. They understand what it is. They want to win the championship here in Milwaukee. Are you buying that? Would you have any concerns about those guys feeling uh, kind of weird about that? Because I personally don't think we've seen it from either guys uh, when we've had the chance to speak to them. I think one thing that the Bucks did well, or have done well, I should say, is filling the roster with high-character guys. I think that this team is just filled with guys who understand. Even young players like Dante and DJ, that, okay, this is a business. Um, I, could, I could be moved at any time, but listen, if, as long as I have this jersey on right here, I'm going to give my all. And that's what I heard even Dante echo a little bit when he was discussing that. And I didn't realize how highly valued that Dante was becoming around certain NBA circles. Um, a lot of people think that he could be a breakout star this year. And I think that the Bucks are pretty relieved that it didn't work out in that way that they had to lose Dante uh, because it seems like they're really planning for Dante to take a big role with these stars and that they're expecting a lot out of them. And I think that Dante understands that. I think he understands his worth as well. And DJ Wilson has been getting uh, rave reviews throughout camp as well about how well he's been doing. So I think having that positive reinforcement in addition to both of those guys just seeming to be those high character guys helps that situation a little bit better. If the Bucks were as honest as they said they were and keeping those lines of communication open, I could also see the situation being water under the bridge because they were aware of what was happening the whole time. They were aware that, hey, especially in Dante's position, we really didn't necessarily want to do this. We believe in you, but, you know, we were just trying to upgrade the team. Well, it's kind of interesting because DJ is such a, a casual guy anyway when he speaks, the way he acts. It's just kind of uh, the way he is. But the first thing that I thought is that these guys should be thrilled. They get to stay with the Bucks instead of going to the Sacramento Kings. It shouldn't be hard to convince <laughs> them to come back and be motivated to play in Milwaukee. And as far as Dante goes, like you said, yeah, he would have been traded, and certainly Bogdanovich, for mine, would have slotted into the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. You know, he is, as, as much as I, I joked earlier, he, he's a good player. He's a fantastic player. I think he's mm-hmm. someone that should thrive leaving Sacramento. I'm not sure how, what the fit's like in Atlanta, but for Dante, he now goes from a guy that's been coming off the bench. The starting spot is his. He's, get, he's got the starting spot to start the season, so it's not like he's in a bad situation. So I just personally don't have any concerns about that. Uh, we got a chance to speak to Dante today a little bit as well. And he spoke about his shooting and just his confidence in that that's the biggest thing for him when he's playing alongside, you know, a superstar like Giannis, all-stars like Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, just remaining confident and not going into his show. And I think we all know that the aggressive Dante is the best version that we can see. I want to ask you about playmaking and shot creation because John Horst, when we spoke to him before the draft, he said those were the two areas he wanted to improve including shooting that would translate to the postseason because we know they've really struggled with that the last two years in the playoffs. So he said that prior to the, to the draft. Today he echoed that that's what he was trying to do. So when you look at the additions that the Bucks have, are you satisfied that they've improved in those areas? I will say that they improved in those areas, but I will also say I think that there is also more room to improve if you know if possible I think that they could still upgrade um, in those two areas but DJ Augustine I know he's a he's a favorite of the pod 
um, he might be really special. Like watching him in the pick and roll <laughs> over these few preseason games, which I tried not to look too deeply into because it <laughs> is preseason. These are guys who have practiced a handful of times together, but he, he is just very comfortable in that. And he was able to get quite a few assists from either addition to the, you know, back out to the perimeter to get that open three or finding the role man. And, that playmaking ability just it, it stood out watching DJ just run that second unit when he was out there. Bobby Portis definitely is not afraid of taking any shot <laughs> that comes his way whatsoever. He has that that no fear, which I can see on the days that he's hot being every Bucks fan's dream, but I could also see if those percentages aren't looking great and shots aren't falling. I could see fans possibly getting frustrated with that. But I would just hope with somebody like Bobby Portis, it's a realization of he was brought in here to get those buckets. He is going to take the shots. Sometimes with basketball, some nights they fall, some nights they don't. But more often than not, Bobby Portis should be able to get us some double-digit scoring, hopefully, while he's on the court. Bringing Pat back, I'm not sure if that adds anything to playmaking or shot creating. Uh, watching Pat on our team, he's always seems more of like a defensive spark plug a little bit. Uh, he'll definitely shoot it, but it hasn't been the most consistent from him going forward. Forbes, definitely a shooter. Shot creator, I'm not so sure on. I know catch and shoot for sure. I've seen him do some nifty moves where, you know, it's a pump fake. He does a quick little step back, but I'm not sure in the mid-range how much you can actually get from him. He seems more like a player who's focused upon that three-point, and then if he can't get that, he's going to try to get to the hoop. So... I see it a little bit. Tory Craig, another one who doesn't necessarily provide the shooting or the playmaking, but he brings the defensive side that the Bucks look forward to. And after watching Brooklyn, can't have too many wing mm-hmm. defenders to throw at some of those scores. So, yeah, I'll say that they definitely did improve in those two areas. But I think that the improvements, I mean, they could be better. But if you're looking at this team compared to last, then yes, there have been improvements made. Yeah, it's interesting because I think the one thing that the Bucks have been really lacking over the last two seasons really is that bench score that you can really rely on every single night to get you 15 points. Now, I thought last season Dante was starting to transform into that. But uh, did I say last year? Last season, earlier this year, Dante <laughs> was transforming into that player before the season shut down. We know he didn't come back in the bubble and really get to the same level of play, but he was a guy that I thought... If you were able to have another guy that you were comfortable with starting, I think Dante should start. I think he's the be- makes the most sense. But he could have been that scorer off the bench. So I think it'll just be up to Bud to, to work the rotations, mix and match those lineups there. But as you pointed to, Bobby Portis is a guy that on any given night could get you 20 points. And that's still an upgrade from your Ersanui service, from your Marvin Williams. So mm-hmm. they definitely looked at the guys that they acquired outside of Torrey Craig, who's sort of a defensive specialist, and said, let's get some guys that are going to be able to score. I do think the second unit has more options and more versatility scoring-wise. So we'll see how that translates. But I'm glad that you mentioned Bobby Portis, first of all, because when you talk about DJ Augustine and his pick-and-roll playmaking and creation ability, I thought that his relationship with Bobby Portis looked really solid, which was just kind of strange because, as you (laughs) mentioned, they've only played three or four times together, but that's Bobby Portis, a naturally um, gifted offensive player. And, and Augustine, a veteran there. But the other thing that John Horse said, which was really interesting, and, you know, I mean, I, I don't fault him for saying this. I don't know what else you're supposed to say at this point in time when the team hasn't played together a lot. But he was asked about the additions, and when he looked to the defensive end, he said, 
uh, well, I know analytically that, you know, these guys that we've acquired perhaps don't stand up defensively or they have reputations that they're not great defenders. But he said, you know, I think that we've looked at these players and we think if we take them from essentially where they were and put them in this system with guys like Brook Lopez and Giannis and Drew Holiday, we can mix and match those lineups again and we think they'll be able to um, thrive defensively with this team. Now, I could certainly see why people might raise their eyebrows on at this one, uh, including potentially you right now that, uh, that I'm looking at, uh, Camille. But uh, this is, again, going to be one we're going to have to give some time. But what would your response be to that? I think the most logical answer is let's see how that works out. Let's, let's see over time, as you mentioned. But my initial gut reaction to that is it's dependent on what type of defensive scheme Bud is planning to run while these guys are getting this playing time. Because one thing about Eric Bledsoe that he did well was he was a dog going through those picks. Like he, he just had a gift for it. He has a knack for it. It just was something that he was good at. And I feel like if you're asking DJ Augustine to do the same thing, like your, mm-hmm. your results just won't necessarily be as good. Like, yes, it's a better situation, but you're asking him to do something that the guy, like the last guy who we saw do that, it's just not the same. Like he doesn't get around those screens the same way. The drop coverage is interesting. Like with Bobby Port, when Bobby's out there with Tory Craig, and I'm just kind of always like, why are you doing that? <laughs> yeah, it's like it just it just doesn't make the most sense with Brooke for sure. It makes the part like he is a great drop center. It makes so much sense. Even Giannis sometimes like he can play drop, but you can utilize Giannis in so many different ways. The hope for sure is that being in a better environment with some better defenders, because I think that that starting lineup that the Bucks are putting out there, if Dante is that starting shooting guard, has to be one of the best defensive starting fives in the league. Just seeing some of the chemistry that Drew and Dante are starting to develop a little mm-hmm. bit and those flashes in the preseason also gave me hope about Dante's uh, future potential with his team as well, or just being a good player. If Dante is able to pop, not to go back to him, but having a guy on that deal, given the Bucks cap situation, is just such a boon to them. So we'll see about the defense and how these guys fit into it. My first reaction is, but if you're going to keep making everybody play within this drop scheme all the time, I don't think you're going to be as effective as if you throw some different looks out there. So there's a couple of things I'm expecting. I'm expecting that um, Bucks Twitter is going to continue to explode about this defense for the foreseeable future. <laughs> and I'm going to continue to say that I'm giving them until February, only because February, maybe March, I know we're starting a little bit late here, only because I, whether or not I think that, only playing this defense is going to serve them well in the postseason because I don't. I think we've got two years of experience to see that that's not going to be the case. I still think that Bud is going to be stubborn enough to say, well, everyone's learning this. This is our base. This is what we do. And then I hope in March, April, May, when we get closer to the playoffs, we start to see them try some different things. I just think that I I can't make a judgment call or get too frustrated now because, again, they've played three games. They've only practiced five or six times. I'm just... I'm just going to wait and see. And I, I'm not saying I know that what people are going to say. They're going to say, well, yeah, fine. It's only been five practices this year, but we've got years and years of sample size with Bud to tell us that he's not going to change. Uh, maybe I'm naive. I'm going to take his word for it, and I'm going to see what happens over the next few months. And I actually noted something down um, from watching the first half of the uh, Clippers and Lakers game 
Wesley Matthews was guarding Kawhi Leonard and it was really fascinating because we've seen him do so many great jobs for Milwaukee last mm-hmm. season. He was praised heavily for what he was able to do defensively. And I'm not saying this to rip on Wesley Matthews, first of all, but he was guarding Kawhi Leonard on back-to-back possessions and Kawhi just completely blew by him and finished at the basket. And why did he finish at the basket? Because Montrez Harrell was behind him, not Giannis and Brook Lopez. So again, when, when you talk about how the system can help players I will say that I do think there is something to be said for having Giannis and Brook Lopez protecting the rim. And it does help out guys, again, not to take away from Wes, but it did help him last season, the players knowing that they couldn't just blow by him and then score because they weren't able to do so. And I do think that there is some hope that some of these guys that don't have reputations of being great defenders will benefit from that. That is a great point. That is a great point. And I could definitely see that point when looking at the guards and the wings on the team. I still have concerns about when it's Bobby yeah. Portis yeah. playing yeah. that yeah. drop, yeah. is it like that? Right. Yeah. yeah, having Giannis and, and Brooke behind you is a level of confidence that as a wing player, I'm sure that you're going to use that to your advantage. You can be a little bit more aggressive at times with that even because you know you have help behind you. Like you trust that guy behind you. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure about Bobby, uh, Bobby holding that down yeah. or even DJ if he gets the, those backup four minutes or backup big minutes. Well, that's why we're going to continue to say that DJ is kind of a wild card for this team. We've seen him do it at times as a guy that, again, when you're talking about switching in lineups, he can sort of switch Mm -hmm. four and five, multiple positions. He's athletic. He can actually move from side to side uh, pretty well. So that's why I think he's going to be a key, uh, but someone that, again, uh, you know, you're you're cautiously optimistic about, let's say that. We've got to get to the Bucks celtics though. We're going to talk about this game coming up later today. It's kind of hard to do a full-scale preview when you've hardly seen these teams play, but we're going to get to that uh, after I talk about Built Go because uh, whether it's a mental, mental or physical wall break, you can break through it every day with Built Go. It's easy to take in 1.5-ounce packages. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Uh, I can confirm this. I have tried it. They've sent it over to me in Australia. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results uh, than some of your other products you'll see out in the market. Three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. Uh, You can visit builtgo.com and use a promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at builtgo.com. When you need fantasy basketball advice, it's important that you have a reliable source. More people trust my fellow Aussie, Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast than any other fantasy basketball show. Subscribe to the number one fantasy basketball podcast, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, wherever you get your podcasts. But it's ready. It's time for the Bucks season to start against the old rival. Uh, actually, I shouldn't call them the old rival. I should call them the new rival, the Boston Celtics. Unfortunately, we didn't get to play them or meet them in the postseason yet again last year. It, it would have been nice to have that uh, three straight years there. But I think it's fair to say, even though some of the personnel has changed, uh, they don't necessarily like each other. Uh, would you have the Celtics as the Bucks' number one rival, by the way? Looking at the past few seasons... Yes, like that's that's a team that I definitely look to. I think that the Miami series has left a salty taste in a lot of Bucks fans' mouth. But given that that was just one year, while this Bucks Celtics thing goes back, even I think to the first time with Giannis that we saw them uh, when the Jason Kidd season when he got fired and it was Prunty as the coach, and we thought that we had a great chance to upset 
but no team could get a win on a on the away court. So I think it goes back to then. Even just it's just it's a different feeling when Buck Celtics play now. And after our last matchup in the bubble, I am definitely looking forward to seeing them them play again tomorrow. Well, today as this podcast comes out. That was the Tyler Zeller starting series. I believe he might have even started a game. That's how far we've come. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, think, <laughs> I, think he's, I think he's on a roster somewhere. He might be on the Spurs, I think, Tyler Zeller right now. But he's still floating around the league, so shout out to him. Um, but while we start this, we should uh, mention the, the injury report and what's listed. We've spoken about DJ Augustine quite a bit on this show. I think he's going to be an important player throughout the season. But I would say that it's probably highly unlikely that he plays in this game. He's still struggling with that left calf strain. So he's listed as doubtful. Uh, We spoke to Bud this morning and he said that he did some five-on-five stuff, but he's still been pretty limited. They're going to wait and see how he pulls up in the next 24 hours, which to me, if you're waiting to see how he pulls up in the next 24 hours in the season opener, I think you can probably say he's not going to play. So my expectation is that Augustine won't play. As far as the Celtics go, we know Kimball Walker is going to be out for an extended period of time. On the injury report, it actually says knee strengthening. So it's a weird injury. It, it doesn't necessarily seem like an injury that's going to go away anytime soon for Kimball Walker. And honestly, I, I think that this is a big storyline with their season. What happens if Kimball Walker can't return to be the guy that we know? I, I, it's a, obviously a huge blow for them. We'll go through some of the other losses they've had. And the only other real rotation player that um, probably would have played given some of the injuries that had Romeo Langford is, is out of this one as well. So really, Kemba Walker and DJ Augustine, the big names. What do you think the Bucks do with DJ Augustine out? Um, clearly, he was coming off the bench anyway. It doesn't affect the starting lineup. But rotation-wise, I think we saw the other game. They went to Jalen Adams. Uh, Bud did say the two-way guys are traveling to Boston. But I, I wonder whether he thinks he has enough ball handling with Drew, Drew Holiday. Dante can do a little bit of that stuff. And maybe the rookie, maybe Sam Merrill sees some court time in the season opener. Yeah, you know Sam Merrill is, is like Bucks Bucks Twitter's oh, new favorite, uh, <laughs> new favorite Buck. And I, I get it. It's, it's something about having such a pure shooter. That's that's just it's exciting to know that we have somebody who, at least at the collegiate level, was able to to knock that down. But I mean, I I would love to see what our rookie could do. But I think Jalen Adams might make more sense just because of his familiarity mm-hmm. with the system. The G League team runs similar sets as the, the Bucks team, so that makes sense. It also would fit with what Bud tends to do, which is play that that two way guy a little bit more when the roster's thin. So I think it'll be Adams in that situation. Maybe we'll see some more Merrill than we would have. That might mean just two minutes instead of zero, but maybe we do see more. But I think it's going to be Adams who gets who gets more of that time, or maybe some more Pat Connaughton minutes where he's not necessarily playing the guard, the point guard to initiate the offense, but he's just another guard that's out on the court. Maybe we go back to some old school Bucks days and have Giannis initiate a little bit more often than he, than he has before as well. Yeah. It's not bad for the Bucks actually. Now you mentioned it last year, they were able to roll out the G league MVP in situations like this. And this year they're like, ah, fine. We lost the G league MVP. We'll just do the G league MVP runner up instead. And we'll put him on the court. So pretty ridiculous that they had both of those guys just playing down with the herd. I think the other thing to note heading into this game that I think is going to be really fascinating to see is just the minutes that Bud will play these guys. It's important Obviously, that Giannis wasn't named on the injury report. I think we expected that. It was just a, hey, you played a couple of games. You just signed a Supermax. Just rest up, man. We, we don't need you playing this third preseason game. But uh, I do still think, even by Bud's standards, we should watch the minutes because 
I would say that the DJ Augustine injury is kind of a warning signal to everyone that just be careful. You've only been back in the, in the, with the team in the facility for a couple of weeks here. We don't want or need any soft tissue injuries right now because if you lose a rotation player, a key rotation player for multiple weeks, it's clearly going to be a setback in this season. So I, I think the point you made about some of the guys they might play, whether it is Jalen Adams, whether it is Sam Merrill, Brent Forbes, all these guys, I wouldn't be surprised to see Bud and people might laugh because they'll say, well, it's never a surprise to see Bud go deep in the rotation. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him play 11, 12 guys in this game. That seems about right. I definitely could see that happening. I mean, just given the fact the starting lineup there, then you have coming off like Portis, you got Connaughton, you got Forbes. It seems like Wilson's going to get some more tickets. We mentioned Tory Craig. There, there are guys who I think are going to soak up those minutes, even with, with DJ out. Like I think we will still be going that deep on the bench. Tory Craig's interesting you mentioned because, again, I just said Augustine with his soft tissue injury, but Tory Craig had – well, Bud called it a hamstring. I spoke to Tory Craig, and he told me it was a groin. So I have no idea what he actually injured, but he injured something, and he was limited through preseason as well. So it just goes to show that you have to be a little bit wary early in the season here. Uh, we've spoken so much about the Bucks over the last few weeks. Let's talk about the Celtics a little bit because I mentioned that Kemba Walker's out. That's significant. It's also significant, even though he's kind of a maligned player, that they've lost Gordon Haywood. So Haywood last season, 17.5 points per game, uh, Walker 20.4. So this is a significant scoring punch that they've lost. You're talking about 38 points per game that are gone from last year's rotation. And they haven't really added anyone to replace that. When you look at the lineup, they're basically saying, okay, well, we've got Jason Tatum. He's 22 year old, two years old. He's going to continue to get better. Jalen Adams, much the same. Uh, and then they've, they've had some veteran sort of stop gaps that they've added in Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson. But I think it's important to watch this Celtics team to see how they're going to score. There is a lot of load that's going to be on Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown there. And I, I wonder how you feel about who should guard Jason Tatum in this game. Because to me, obviously, you have a number of options. But I wouldn't be surprised, given the fact that Kemba Walker's not out on the floor and they're probably going to be starting Marcus Smart I think that this could be a situation where Drew Holiday, welcome to the Bucks. You're, you're guarding Jason Tatum to start. I wouldn't be surprised to see that at all. I could definitely see that. I was thinking either Drew or Chris most yeah. likely would draw that matchup in that starting lineup. I mean, they could even throw Dante at him a little bit if they mm-hmm. really wanted to. That's one thing about this Bucks starting five, as I mentioned. I think there's a lot of bodies to throw at guys to kind of keep guys fresh as well because when you're defending at that level, it does take a lot out of you on the other end of the court as well. So maybe being able to throw some different looks at them would be helpful. And I am very much looking forward to seeing how Tatum plays in this game. As I mentioned, after the last time we saw him, he had that terrible game <laughs> against the Bucks in the bubble. And I feel like in that sense of the rivalry between these two teams, Knowing how competitive these guys are, I feel like Tatum is really going to be thinking, looking at this game as like a prove-it game. Like, just got a new contract, did not play well against these guys the last time out, have a little history with them, don't like them too much, and we're at home, albeit without fans, but it's the home opener for the team. I think that he's going to come out really hot, but I think that the Bucs have a lot of defenders to throw at him to make his night uncomfortable as possible you know great scorers tend to find ways to score regardless you just got to make it tough and I think the Bucks have toughness in bunches yeah it's really interesting because Tatum I think from the the feeling I get just from Bucks fans is that 
they kind of get the sense that he's a little bit overrated. I don't necessarily buy that. Again, I know everyone talks about his age and it's kind of an old story. He's still 19 or whatever, but he still is only 22. He's only been in the league three years. But I think it's interesting to look at his career against the Bucs. In 10 games, he's only averaged 15 points on 40% from the field. And you mentioned the, the really terrible game he had in the bubble. But last year overall... <laughs> In three games, again, he only averaged 15.7 points, but his shooting splits were 33, 31, 33. So he's been horrific against the Bucs. There's no other way to put it. He hasn't been able to have a monster game. Maybe it's coming tomorrow, or maybe it will continue that he has his shooting struggles. But the one thing's for sure is that he's going to get up a lot of shots because there is they are pretty thin <laughs> offensively outside of that. Marcus Smart is, again, a player that... that People love to hate, and I think he's a guy that if you're a Celtics fan, you'd love that guy more than anyone else on the roster. If you're anyone else, he's annoying, he's a dirty player, he's this, he's that. But the one thing I do want to note about him, because it's worth always worth mentioning when teams are playing the Bucks, you've got to watch the three-point shooters. He is a guy that I think forever is going to have the reputation if he has a big night from three. Fans will be like, oh my God, you're letting this guy kill us? You're letting Marcus Smart kill us? Much improved. He was up around mm-hmm. 35 last year on 6.6 three-point attempts per game so the guy can shoot and it's just worth mentioning that it's not the old Marcus Smart that was shooting in the 20s uh he can knock it down now yes this isn't the Marcus Smart from that first playoff series that we we mentioned earlier this this guy can shoot and it's funny you bring up his percentage because I was just looking at it and I was surprised when I noticed Mm -hmm. that he was a mid-30s three-point shooter at this point in his career he's definitely someone to keep an eye on and he is such an irritant uh, to Giannis as well. So looking forward to seeing how that matchup happens because I guarantee Smart's going to end up on Giannis at some point throughout that game and trying his best to irritate Giannis to get him out of that game because that's Marcus Smart. That's that's what he does. He's he's one of those defensive players that that just grinds at you. He's an irritant in that way. Yeah, I was thinking about this game earlier. And again, uh, taking note of the the players that are absent and also that it's the first game, these teams are going to be working their way into it a little bit. Um, You know, win or loss, it's going to be hard for me to get too carried away either way. But the one thing I've been thinking about, and I'm glad you mentioned Marcus Smart because we've seen in the past he's going to be trying to draw all sorts of charges. He's going to be doing all (laughs) sorts of stuff to piss off Giannis. And if history tells us anything, he's going to piss off Giannis. Giannis is going to be frustrated tomorrow night. And you just hope that he's able to channel that in the right ways. Historically, Giannis has been fantastic against the Celtics. It is worth noting that the addition of Tristan Thompson, while, again, he's not a threat from the outside, he's not a guy that you're you know, typically scared of offensively that's going to do a lot, but it's another big body. And him combined with Daniel Tice, at least the Celtics now give the, the impression or the feeling that they have some sort of chance of having two guys on the perimeter that are able to do something because they were super thin last year. But if the Bucs are to lose this game, and it's certainly a possibility, the Bucs haven't looked great themselves in the preseason yet to win a game, I think that you're probably going to look back at this and say, Giannis has got in foul trouble. Perhaps Marcus Smart has had an influence there, or they're going to shoot the ball terribly. Because again, I, I think that the, the Bucs should be able to, with the options they have, they should be able to score on this team, and they should get a, a number of open threes. We see that all the time, especially during the regular season with Giannis. They've got to knock down the shots. If they do that, I think they'll be fine. If they lose, again, this is the concern with this team that it will be the same old story. Definitely. And honestly, you mentioned not really judging like the team's defense until February, maybe March. I kind of expect the Bucs to get off to a slow start this season. If the Bucs started 
and the record wasn't too pleasing at the I could see why like the like as we mentioned they've practiced together a handful of times this is a lot of turnover for this team losing they lost a lot of minutes played last season so it's going to take some time I always say like real life NBA basketball is not NBA 2k where once you make a trade everything <laughs> just fits seamlessly like you need to develop that chemistry and you need to get that together timing just understanding where guys like to get the ball at, understanding guys' spots, tendencies, and things of that sort. I think that the defense might actually end up coming along first. I know they make jokes about, you know, how it's not necessarily working out, but the flashes that we've been able to see, I, I, I see a lot of potential with this team. And if they get off to a slow start, if they lose to Boston, the sky's not falling. It, it's a game on a long trek, and we really just want to be playing our best basketball going into the playoffs having secured the spot, as long as we get into the dance, I, the, I don't really care what seed the Bucks are going into that. Yeah, and I think the, the point you made, uh, particularly about the starting lineup, is, is uh, really important because when you talk about all the changes they've had, I mean, sure, you're swapping Bledsoe for Drew Holiday, but the other four guys are familiar with each other. They're familiar with playing with each other. So, you know, I think they'll be able to get it together uh, quicker especially uh, defensively. So we'll wait and see. I would just like to see the Bucks at least split these first two games from opening night and Christmas Day. And honestly, if I had to choose, I would like to reverse last year's Christmas uh, Day uh, disaster and get a win on Christmas. So I'll take 2-0. and I'll take 1-1. and But, you know, like we said, I've, I've been on the record to say I think that it's going to be a slow start as well. There's just so much change. Uh, and bizarre circumstances, short training camp. Everyone's in the same boat, uh, but we'll just have to uh, perhaps show a little bit of patience here uh, if we have to, which, again, hopefully we don't. But, Camille, uh, it's going to be exciting. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. This game is good for me as well. It's an 11.30 tip, so I'm pretty excited about that. Nice. Nice. I bet you are excited not having to wake up at 2 or 3 in the morning to to check the game up. Yeah, none of these day games. Although Christmas Day is 6.30 a.m. for me, which isn't too bad, uh, which is actually the day after Christmas for me. But so, uh, I'll probably be hungover, actually. Now I'm, now I'm thinking about it. So <laughs> I'm going to try and get myself to sleep early. But, hey, uh, I'm going to let you go. I see this Lakers-Clippers game as we're recording here is back to uh, basically all square. So um, It's a game uh, again. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go catch the fourth quarter here. Uh, it's always good to catch up with you. And you've done a, a marathon podcasting effort today. So I'm just glad your voice is still with us. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You know, it, it's it's fun to do. So it's doing something that's enjoyable. You just kind of keep rolling with it. I think I could do another podcast after this if I really, you know, had the opportunity to. All right. That's Camille Davis. You can check her out on the Technical Foul Podcast. And like I said, they just recorded. So check that out tomorrow while you're waiting for the Bucks game. Uh, this is a 6.30 Central Time tip, not to... Uh, confuse anyone by uh, continuing to talk about Australian times. No one actually cares about that. Uh, but we will be back. First post-game, uh, first regular season post-game pod of the season. It's going to be a lot of fun. I might even be able to drive, uh, drag Frank Madden onto the show. He's, uh, he's on the road right now. He's on his way to Wisconsin. He's on the way to Rocky's Pizza. I'm sure he'll have, <laughs> I'm sure he'll have some pizza there for the game. Uh, and, and he'll be fired up to talk about it after. So we'll be back uh, after Bucks Celtics. Hopefully... A box win, and we'll catch you guys then.